Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. I said back because I know you heard about this podcast and you're here for a reason. This is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team. And I brought with me the man who got the most knife kills in 30 seconds in Call of Duty history, Mr. Bredefan. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode. Yes, you hear us because it will be just us for this episode. This is our short round table, so more like... A short table of discussion for the last month and these are top mm-hmm. topics that uh pertains to you game developers and possibly gamers as yeah. well as students so uh let's just go ahead and jump right into it the first thing i have on my list is crytek 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 how high have you fallen from from everything so crytek to me right they started out the year with good news was it like late last year where they uh, got bought or at least licensed and make Lumberyard, the yeah. engine for Amazon, where Amazon is yes. using it to publish all their games. Yes. And uh, it was at the brink of bankruptcy, I believe, where mm. uh, they were really having nothing going on. Uh, all their games were semi-hits or not hits at all. And mm. so it was like a saving grace from Amazon to come in. It's like, hey, we kind of like your engine. We're going to license it. And we're going to change the name a bit, but we're going to use your infrastructure to make this thing going. Yeah. But... But uh, early in the month, uh, something happened. Uh, there was a Reddit topic that popped up and said, help, I haven't been paid for the last six months. Oof. I don't know what to do. This is an anonymous posting, obviously. But this is my last way to get the uh, attention that we're not getting paid. Hopefully, this will help our situation over here at Crytek. I mean, that's more or less how it went. And of course, it went viral. And, and everything was heard throughout the game industry. I mean, this type of thing we hear once in a while, but not to this extent. This is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it's what's scary about all that is like one, the timing. It really sucks. Like all these people are going into a holiday season, you know, without having, without knowing that there's security for themselves. Then we see the news that five studios from Crytek are getting shut down, and I guess. What sucks about this to me is, like, I actually don't think that Crytek makes bad games. I think Crytek is just very hard to use to make good games. You know what I mean? And I've had experience working in Crytek on uh, Armored Warfare at Obsidian. And I use it a little bit when they made it free. I think they were one of the first big engines to to kind of go free. And, I, you know, I played around a little bit. Crytek makes great-looking games. Like, the lighting and rendering and just... whatever other art terms Brandon can add to make it sound like I know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, I'm serious. Crytek, always I felt like the games looked great. But when I finally got my hands on it myself, it was very, it just, I I was immediately wishing I was using Unreal. Yeah. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. I mean, let's let's clarify it to make sure that people are 
listening know know what the the engine's it's cried engine by cry yeah yes. it's kind of in intermingling because it's kind of similar but at the same time like when we're talking about tools there's nothing really that beats unreal tool sets uh mm -hmm. for artists uh but again with most engines out there like even unity and all these uh prepare proprietary engines that mm -hmm. in-house use the tools are like the last thing that the engineers would tackle like they want to yeah. make sure it looks good it plays well and the tools is kind of like uh cherry on the top and because it's mostly for internal uh use so a lot of times it gets ignored so with CryEngine, even though the tools are aren't as bad as a uh, aren't as bad as the proprietary engine it's it's still pretty bad in uh comparison to unreal ob for mm -hmm. obvious reasons because unreal like if you think about it, unreal is like the most licensed well unity and unreal right so these like, yeah. these engines right here are, are licensed by a lot of third party and so mm -hmm. their whole company is dedicated to supporting third party i mean crytek has tried and uh we'll get to the next piece of news because uh, they have multiple studios, obviously, and mm -hmm. they obviously have engineers dedicated to making the engine better. Yeah. But what's scary is that even with the Amazon Save from Grace uh, buying and licensing their engine to kind of build it, uh, a use it as a foundation to build off of, they are in terrible, tough waters right now because they're not paying their employees for six months, right? Yeah. So the result of this is obviously news coverage. Uh, not much of a response from Crytek saying like, oh, this is uh, tomfoolery. Uh, we're on our way to paying them right now, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they pretty much ignore that. And uh, so that leads us to the next topic to to why. But before that. Yeah, oh, um, I just wanted to jump in before the segue and maybe this actually is part of the why, but I've been in a similar situation at a company that was missing pay periods or missing paychecks. And obviously, as much as us, the consumers or the outsiders look at it, we see Crytek, right? We know they've shipped Crisis and like Rise and all this stuff. And we're like, oh, they're a big company. This wouldn't happen. Well, I mean, it's expensive to make video games and it's incredibly expensive to make video games that don't sell, you know? And so that shit adds up, man. And so what I worry about is... In Crytek's defense, the reason why people may be missing paychecks versus just flat out laid off is because Crytek believes that they can do something about this eventually, right? Like, I can't imagine that they would open themselves up to lawsuit, right? Full well knowingly just to ride it down to the ground and make it worse. Not paying people, like, whatever they're trying to do to, like, bridge the gap, as harsh as it is on the employees, I'm assuming that the position is... We believe we can do something about this and we're going to try to right this wrong in the future. And we just we're, we're surviving as long as we can. But we believe we're swimming towards safety. Like they may be drowning, but they believe that they're drowning in direction of land, I, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. I, I've seen a similar situation and that's what that company was thinking. They're like, look, the shit sucks. We can't pay people, but we're holding out because we're trying to get to this and this will solve the problems. Yeah. What I do wonder is, like, are they, do they have IPO for Crytek? I don't think so. Uh, I can look really quick. Well, while you look that up, I mean, I, I wonder if that's one of the reasons why they've been delaying stuff, because obviously for the quarter losses and everything, 
they want to hold it out a little longer. But like for anyone that's out there who's been through the situation, and even if you haven't, you can kind of guess, right? Never give them the benefit of the doubt. If they miss a paycheck as an employee, that's your warning to get out. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime you miss a paycheck, it's very rare to see a company completely bounce back and be a hundred. 20% again, you know what I mean? Or 200%, like suddenly they turn things around. So uh, it seems like looking at it, they are still a privately held company. So maybe what you're saying is true, where they were counting on a deal, maybe Amazon is about to make another payment and so they can pay their employees uh, and then things just fell off. It didn't work out the way it is. So, uh, or it could have been something where it could, could be just greed and uh, mm. ego or pride that kept them going. And then it was the six month because it did happen instantaneously. But it is no mystery that the next piece of news where near Christmas, right? Um, a few like last week, Crytek announced closures of uh, f about five studios or four, to four of their six studios mm -hmm. completely closed. Employees were notified past past the time as in they came in and the doors were locked that type yeah. of situation yeah so uh i don't know if it was more it sounded like it was planned obviously but six months plus is usually by the time of the new year they they usually do this type of stuff so you know our crytek friends and colleagues i, I feel really bad hopefully you guys land back on your feet um but I mean, this is usually how it goes when you miss a payment, right? It usually leads to closure. Uh, not a lot of studios can bounce back. And why why does this happen? It usually happens to big studios because when you're trying to feed like thousands of employees a day can cost millions, right? So you can fall a lot quicker when you're when you're relying on your employees to have work and there's no work coming in so yeah the way that i look at it when i think about crytek right and then when i think about people licensing their engine i have to ask crytek are you in the games business or the engine business right they started an engine and then they made games with the engine usually i think the model is we made these games to show off what you can do with crytek hoping that we can then sell crytek to people who want to use it to make games for themselves they give us a royalty or they give us an upfront payment somehow we're going to get money from these developers, right? Yeah. And before Unreal 3, I'll say, that was a viable business strategy for, like, everyone because there was no, like, this is the champion of game engines and everyone just knows and swears by it. The community is big enough. The developers who know it and use it are widely available, so it makes sense to part. Like, that hadn't been, like, completely solidified yet. There were still companies that were just making their own internal engines versus paying Unreal the million bucks. Somewhere around Unreal 3 and Unreal 4, forget it. It's like, it's one or the other. You're going to use Unreal, you're going to use uh, Unity, or like Frostbite, I think EA was still doing a whole lot of great stuff with Frostbite. But like, there just isn't room for a, a, fourth, a fourth engine, especially if you're going to be difficult to use, right? Like, the only games I remember being made with Crytek were Crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it, pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, like, like with their all their studios opened up like uh i mean they, they closed down uh they had offices in budapest hungary mm -hmm. like all these different countries um i mean they had a free-to-play shooter for warface 
but uh, even then, like I forgot about Warface. Yeah, I mean they 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 had good games. It's just that you know it, it didn't have the wide appeal. Like they needed a Call of Duty or something uh, to kind of offset the the amount of people licensing from them to use their engine because they weren't Unreal, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. and they weren't having hit games continuously, so it was hard to sustain all those different companies uh i mean studios to to keep the cry engine technology going so and like this is not the first time we heard about this in, in this year like i remember like two years ago or something they were there were complaints about withholding paychecks mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. they they went through this phase before and they went through a whole restructuring plan to mm -hmm. make their company smaller back then so this is something that's been developed in the last three years showing the decline of people using their engine and people buying their games. Yeah. Um, and it's tough. Like we, we say it's like, hey, you know, when you're starting to miss paychecks as a developer, it's time to leave. I mean, these offices aren't in the most game developer centric places, right? We're, we're mm -hmm. talking about like uh, their main place was, uh, what was it in, um, what is that drug city place? Amsterdam? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, Amsterdam. I mean, they have drug city. <laughs> We're gonna have to apologize to the sorry the, Amsterdamers, the Netherlands audience. <laughs> yeah, but they were around there, and like Europe is so s spread out when it comes to game developers. Um, so I can imagine maybe developers were holding out, but I mean, you're kind of just impending or delaying your doom, you know, your perpetual doom. <laughs> well, you gotta have a better plan than just trusting management to like they'll figure this out i mean how, what have they shown you to say that they're turning this around like three years yeah. like 2014 when they start laying and restructuring like two three years now right you stuck with them this long which is pretty long but you know you should be seeing signs where snacks are being less and like taken away <laughs> Like, I, I I remember at Digit Domain when uh, I was there. I only was there for four months. I was doing contract work. But, like, two months in was when Digit Domain had, like, a was in the midst of the v visual effects studios closing down because all the work were being outsourced or being uh, made in Canada, basically. And so Digit Domain, one of the biggest visual effects studios, was one of those that got hit badly. So it was felt inside our office because Fridays, you know, donut fridays weren't donut fridays anymore it was like hey you guys mind not using too much paper towels because uh it's starting to cost a lot <laughs> like they were taking away like mm. very normal regular stuff uh you you know it's bad when that's yeah. the case so that's like i am i would imagine on a bigger scale they would do more stuff like that where they start you know cutting back inside the studio culture right to to make up yeah. for the fact that they don't have any income coming in i guess how many paper towels can you use compared to one person's salary though you know so yeah. if, if they're if they're worried about paper towels i mean oh it's bad for sure you know that people and i hate to like say it even in jest but for sure you know that there will be people losing their job of course and i'll say i think the studio closures though were game development studios right like the actual the where Crytek develops the add-ons and additions to their engines, I think their core team is still intact. Yeah, I'm sure, if anything, they are smart enough to realize that their engine is still being used and needs support. And so if they were to survive, they would consolidate 
you know, all the talents under those two main companies or main studios that they've started, right? And then um, would use the resources to support at the same time, come up with something to to make more money. Yeah. Um, it's exactly what they're doing, but like how much trust would you have to win back after closing four studios and missing paychecks for six months? Like what is that Friday meeting? I haven't sat through one of those where like, hey, we had to close down six. Like, but I would imagine that Friday meeting is is a lot of dodgy questions and blame because a lot of your friends lost their jobs and you're still there, mm -hmm. and it, no one's a big, no one's a big enough fool to stand there and actually believe that. Hey, I know it's tough, but we're making all the right moves. Just stay with us, and we're gonna turn this around. It's like, I will say the. And again, I'm being sensitive about this because I understand that there's a lot of people who don't have jobs right now. And I don't want to make anyone feel bad about where and why they work there. If I was at Crytek and I was like, look, we can't afford to make video games right now. Having these people who are game developers, we, it just, we're either going to close today because we want to make video games or we're going to stop making video games and maybe we can still be a business. Like, if it comes down to a black and white decision like that, then, like, I kind of understand. Because I always remember, like, Crisis Games, like, their goal was to be, like, the unattainable level of quality, right? Like, it's, like, Crisis was a benchmark game for high-end computer specs for, like, forever, right? Like, I could still get Crisis 1 and be like, can your computer run Crisis 1? And that's, like, legitimate conversation even in 2016, right? So what you're saying is, there's like a high-end market where you're, where people get the most benefit out of your product. And there's a lot of people who probably had computers at the time who were like just were not capable of running Crisis even at like 30 frames at that time. So therefore, you're alienating a lot of people who would have paid money for your game. Yeah. So, hey, I don't know. Uh, maybe a lot of what Crisis had to offer was ahead of its time uh, as far as game development goes. Maybe. Yeah. Business-wise, it was terrible. Right. Well, I mean, that's Crytek. Hopefully everything works out. Uh, but for all you developers out there, please have a plan B. Be your plan yeah. A uh, yeah. at this point. <laughs> because you guys need to get the fuck out. Uh, it's definitely difficult to stay with a company who's been just destroying everyone's trust right now god damn <laughs> well it's true dude how can you close down four four studios right i'm, I'm assuming each studio yeah, has yeah. more than like 10 people right to yeah. even call it a studio and then to miss all these payments it's like obviously they don't have their employees trust i mean best interest in mind mm -hmm. like six months that's a good point i understand it's like you can't how how do people live with no payments for six months and and still show up to work like that's such a waste waste of resources yeah for them um so yeah, the, like i said the only way i could see this being legit is if they cut the game development arms and are trying to just move forward with the engine development yeah so that's my my last two cents on that all right well speaking of crytek uh which we seem to not be able to shake off this month uh star citizen immediately responded by saying that the Crytek closures won't impact their game. So, uh, Stardust Citizen is obviously the game that will never be shipped. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. It's about $100 million over uh, uh, 
funding, right? These are private funding from straight from the customer base, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it's just growing. And what started out to be like a simple space flight sim sort of has expanded to like a full-on first-person shooter to every other strategy type of games and genres thrown in the mix, right? So, I mean, and with no concrete details in mind of when it will be shipped, like Mm -hmm. the way they're making money too is kind of weird. Uh, Well, ingenious if you want to be cruel, which is they sell ships that they promise that might or might not end up being workable in the game when they do ship. So like they're selling art station props <laughs> to to people who are like still believing in the dream, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh so obviously Star Citizen is relying on Crytek to make their game. Um came out to say, "Hey, we are still making the game, don't worry investors or uh customers. Uh if you're still with us this long, that means you're a bigger fool than I am. <laughs> it's like, it's like, holy crap, man. Anyways, people, you know, still want that game to come out. Obviously, I, I believe there, there's still money pouring in. But for for no launch date in sight, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of crazy to, to still hear them once in a while talking about how they're still alive it's like that's their pr news it's like hey we haven't quit yet <laughs> no other updates here's here's a screenshot i think alden put it best is like you're paying for screenshots <laughs> for, for a game like this sucks man <clears throat> i think um the hard part about even bringing up star citizen to me is where i think some of the biggest follies are is like as game developers who are professional game developers, we understand that the business plan and like what we do is we create a product because we want to sell it and make money, right? They've already made the money before they made the product. So where is that incentive to be concise, to say, okay, this is what we need to create to ship because this will make us money. They've already made the money. Mm-hmm. They don't need to draw a path from where they are to success because they have been given success. So where do you go from there, right? They bloated. They're like, oh, well, we can do this, this, this. They no longer are focusing on a product that's going to provide this awesome core experience. They're focused on a product that's just going to do whatever the hell they come up with because they have the money to do so. Yeah. And then what? What I wonder is that if they are still obligated to ship the game if laws are put in place after they got the funding. I mean, does it apply to them before or after the law is made that, hey, because right no. now Kickstarter has new policies where like you have to deliver if mm-hmm. you've received money to an extent, like you have yeah. to deliver the goods because you that's the contract, right? Mm-hmm. That was after the fact that Star Citizen got other, and most of their funding is through their own website right now. Like it's not mm-hmm. Kickstarter anymore. So I wonder if they're trying to like, extend the game because they won't be sued right because holy crap there will be a lawsuit if yeah. if, if they just decided to cancel or it's just you know maybe ego or that they they're making still so much money from just sending out screenshots once in a while dude they're in the promise to make a game business yeah it's because let's let's talk about it right like yeah. if you even know anything about business and you're like oh well we set up an llc so therefore 
they likely won't go to jail unless they have done something illegal. Like, mm. they have taken the money directly from the company and, like, hey, thanks for buying all this stuff. I'm going to go buy a Lamborghini with this. But if – Yeah. Okay. Okay. But if there is a paper trail of, like, yeah. hey, this is my salary on this project and that salary is more than the things that they have bought personally, then there's no wrongdoing there, okay. right? If they, like, somehow have a – like, hey, we've moved the company to Tahiti, but we swear we're working on the game, they actually – at worst, the company shuts down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There is some stuff about the okay. the, oh. the the guy that runs it. Okay. He is living large, obviously. I mean, he he made a hundred million dollars, and there was an idea, and he's he got the funding just based on his name and his past work. But I mean, it's foolish to think that this guy is not running around with a better car. Oh shit! <laughs> so like, I don't know what the line is where it's like. Yeah. If he is living richer, right, gotcha. and still working on the game, like, is there, like, well, that's the thing with the Kickstarter and, like, funding. There are no rules to how you apply this stuff. Yeah. It's, um, it's so blur to where uh, this is directly going to game development versus, you know, I'm taking a cut to continue to live the way I, I used to live. Mm-hmm. It's like how how do you argue that in court? It's like there was no contract, right? This is before everything was like uh, decided yeah. or, or or planned. So I know for a fact that that guy has been under questioning of how he's been spending his money. Um, obviously, he's not a crook. He's going to the studios. I know the studios aren't as large as before. Like there's only mm. uh, it did a Crytek thing where they mm. they they scaled down and in, into the core team. Uh, they they cut off sections of the game to to meet uh, their quality of work, um, but I mean these things are still happening. Like there's no obligation that these guys have to do. I I really do think they can cancel tomorrow and be like, oh well, we ran out of funding. It was a very ambitious game. We just realized that. <laughs> I think legally there is nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. What will happen though is obviously all those people who put that money into that dream and promise will be upset. Uh, your credibility that you may have whatever resume before this point completely forgotten about. You are now the star citizen guy, right? Like that's I don't care if you made even Tetris, like that is gone. Tetris was made by nobody. You're the star citizen guy. You know what I mean? Like if but I also will say when laws change yeah. You you can't go backwards and then say, oh, well, now this person needs to go to jail, right? So, like, let's say in California, they passed Prop 54, recreational use of marijuana is now legal in California. So, underneath that new law, people go out and start partaking in recreational use of marijuana. If then California says, psych, just kidding, we're reversing it. Now, all the people who go and take a drug test, like, immediately, if you fail, you're going to jail. Like, that, it's it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So any new laws that go into actual, like any new legislature that comes out of this will apply from that point forward. But like they won't be able to then take it and use it against Cry uh, the excuse me Star Citizen team and like you know subpoena them or take them to court or anything like that. All that would have to come from any sort of against the law currently wrongdoing that can be proven. Yeah. Like I'm just pulling up something that I read like last year. Um, just from memory, but this is something from Forbes that was released last year in October, and it was saying, like, report claims Star Citizen is almost out of cash. 
Chris mm. Roberts' insatiable ambition is to blame. Like him wanting to, you know, yeah. the future creep, right, yeah. of course is one of it. But how can you almost run out of $100 million if it's not for personal use at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there are other reports that claims that, you know, poor working conditions and all this stuff. Um, but his personal income and how he's spending it, I mean, that's been under question a lot. I don't know. It's still speculation, but, like, these are things that comes out from in the news once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. And when you work in any development, even smaller games, these things has its way of, like, creeping up on you. Mm-hmm. And then when you're building a game in that scale, I would only imagine all the problems you would have on a smaller game would be magnified by a hundred. <laughs> so here's the way that I would look at it, right? I went to their Kickstarter because I wanted to see what their original requested amount of money was. Yep. $500,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> So they're aiming to add three more zeros at this point. So what what has just been what I just put together is a team that was looking for five hundred thousand dollars in funding on Kickstarter got two million dollars. So they've already got three hundred percent more money than they originally needed, right? Then gets one hundred million dollars from that day till now. And the reason why the game can't come out is feature creep. I think they realize <laughs> at a certain point that when oh, you get man. when you get money off of a pitch, mm-hmm. and then you get more money off of a screenshot, that that that's your game. <laughs> they are when you get a hundred million dollars off of promises, like. I guess you're right, man. What is the motivation to actually deliver anything? Because they're still making money. I, I can see probably on their website right now. If I go on their website and look at Star Citizen, I, I bet I can still see that number ticker like moving oh, man. while we're that's... podcasting. I mean, that's the sad part. Like, oh, man, it's a money pit. Yeah. They're still is... getting funded for this. This is the new Ponzi scheme, man. <laughs> but that's, it's, it's even better than a Ponzi scheme, right? It's still it's legal. It's perfect. Well, there's there's no no one's going to jail over this unless some really good accountants go in there and can tie like, oh hey, you know, you actually took these company funds to do something very personal and for this amount of money, and your taxes were done improperly. You can definitely go to jail for that shit, right? Like there's, I don't know how many accountants you have to cover that kind of paper trail for 100 million dollars to disappear and you only needed 500,000 man so on their website it says 140 mil they're 140 so mm-hmm. so our 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 claim 100 is like ridiculous at this point it's yeah. they're 40 million over at the same time just today they got $400,000 of crowdfunding just today like people are mm-hmm. still giving money to them it's insane. So if you are a backer of Star Citizen or you know someone who's a backer of Star Citizen, please send them this podcast so that we can help educate some people. It might be too late, but holy shucks. I need to study. Like, this should be studied in Harvard of how they're doing this because this is, this is, this has not been done before. Like, this, even games being funded nowadays have not reached 
this level of success. Yeah, this is dude. They're in the business of promising a game. I swear. And I would, and I'll also challenge anyone who's working on Star Citizen. If you want to come on the podcast and defend your position, if you can legitimately claim that yes, my expectation to make this game a better game is the reason why I spent what is that a uh, hundred. 140 million you said 140 million so 135 or 139.5 million dollars more than i originally thought please i i welcome you and i i have i don't even mean this in a personal grudge way i just feel like the whole world is going to be entertained by that story <laughs> all right so let's move on to the next piece of news which still does uh still has something to do with star citizen right so among the Crytek announcement of studio closures mm-hmm. and then Star Citizen loving to make headlines came out and say, hey, it doesn't affect us. We're still forever making this game. And then they came out with news shortly after saying Star Citizen changes the game engine. Mm. So that's why it has nothing to do with the StarTech because they're switching engine. Maybe in response to Crytek being unstable and they need continual support, which is not too big of a move, but switching engines, especially when, even though their engine is heavily modified, right? They're using Crytek as the foundation, but they completely switched it up as, and upgraded insanely uh, mm-hmm. with their engineers. But to ditch that, to go to Lumberjack, so that's the engine that they're moving towards. So this is another heavily modified Crytek engine, uh, mm-hmm. Cry engine. But even though it shares the same ancestor, we're, we're pretty much talking about two different engines right here. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the tool set's similar, but like there's things added that, you know, when you're trying to transfer over, maybe it's not too crazy, but there there's some codes that you have to adjust. There, there's some time put into making sure that everything runs smoothly. Like yeah. it is a change. Well, the tools alone, right? Like some people, when they think about tools, they think about, oh, it just lets, I have a tool that helps me make better textures or better like content that is going into the game engine. But there's tools engineers who write tools that make shortcuts for how you use things in the game engine, right? Or writes proprietary, like, hey, I built this tool that lets you make quests or that lets you do you know, dialogue for NPCs or yada, yada, yada. And this is how it works. And you have a team that relies on that tool, right? You then are like, oh, shit. We now use this new engine that processes data files completely differently or it optimizes these same type of files in a completely different way. So therefore, even to rewrite the tool, it's not like you can just take those files from the Crytek version and then just drop it in the Unreal version. You know what I mean? Like there is, to know that you were what I would believe is close to the finish line to then say, oh, we're going to switch engines means you're redoing a significant amount of work. You may not be building the models all over again. You may not be, you know, painting the textures differently or redoing the animations, but you're definitely redoing your quests. You're definitely redoing your systems, your mechanics, the actual fundamentals of how the game is supposed to work. Redoing redoing there's there's no way that them saying they're switching engines is a good thing if you're a backer to me that means we have more time before somebody tries to sue us yeah i really do think they're just trying to extend the timeline because why wouldn't you if i look at their daily crowdfunding goals like just today 
Like I said, they got $400,000. You know how many indie titles would love $400,000 made in a day for a shipped finished product? Like that is a success. And they did that with a screenshot. So like when they're looking at this money pit for us, right? For them, it's like a money mountain. They, they're looking at ways to... I don't know what their game plan is, but it just sounds so shady that they're doing everything possible. Maybe they're trying to be the example of what not to do with a game in terms of future creep, but with their success, it's impossible to say they're doing it wrong, right? It's like... Like, everything we've been taught in school is, like, turned upside down with this game. Yeah, if, if their goal is we want to be, you know, the what not to do, they're hurting everybody. No one is learning a good lesson from this. The people who are learning a lesson, the backers. And you know what they do when someone's authentic project shows up that's needing support? Nah, I learned from Star Citizen. Yeah, their best artist is their website artist, <laughs> website designer, because they have a real-time ticker that shows how much money they're... Like, that's the only gameplay I see from this game. Oh, man. Just switching the hour, day, and week, month of their crowdfunding timeline and how much money they're earning every minute. It's like, this is the best game ever. <laughs> Look Dude, how much money we're making. Man, if anybody wants to say that, like, we're bagging on Star Citizen, well, I'm not bagging on it. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm, this is I'm expressing an opinion based on facts in front of my face. Yeah, Jesus, I mean, this is unfortunate. They're selling items that are not usable yet. And in its contract, it says it might not be usable in the game at the end. It's just like pretty 3D. Oh my God, Unreal needs to take a look at how they're doing this because <laughs> this is the best asset store on the internet right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Unreal did step up the asset store. They added finally categories that kind of organize the information. So oh, shout out to Unreal for the marketplace. Shout out to Unreal, but I mean, looking at their numbers, they're probably jealous about this. It's like, <laughs> what? We can sell them this stuff and still not give it to them? Because some of these ships are like 400 bucks. A digital, Come on. No way. Digital helicopter is 400 bucks for in-game, not in-game type of item where we're like, hey, it's there, but we're not promising it'll be playable at the end. This is how they're making four hundred four hundred thousand dollars a lot to make in a day, and they they made that today on Christmas. Uh, I, I don't I don't have anything else to say about Star Citizen. I'm really I honestly am just really sorry for the people who believe that it was a thing and it was going to happen, but I stand by my original point. They came to Kickstarter because they needed funding. They wanted to make a game that hopefully at the time they believed in. I don't think that when Kickstarter went up. Anyone on that team was like, we're going to make $140 million before we even release the product, right? We're talking hungry game developers who are like, hey, you know what? The old model isn't working. Publishers this and, you know, the man that we're going to do our own thing. And, yeah, we're going to go to Kickstarter and it's going to be great. And then, holy shit, we don't even need to make the game anymore. Like, where is the motivation to finish when people are already cheering and clapping and celebrating your victory before you even put on your cleats, the confetti is already happening. The parade in your name has already gone by, and the race is tomorrow. <laughs> what the hell, man? 
You know, and please understand if you're working over at uh, Robert Space Industry, what is the company called? I know Star Citizen's in the game. Yeah. What is their company called? If you keep Cloud Imperium? Cloud, Cloud Imperium. Imperium. We're not hating out of hate. We're hating because we're jealous. <laughs> and we're we're jealous not because we wish to, you know, hopefully you're not like disillusioning people and being dishonest. Hopefully you guys are still like active about shipping this game and making it the best game possible, but all my game industry experience is saying that this is going to be below expectations. Like, <laughs> imagine the stuff that No Man's Sky got, right? Yeah. I know for damn sure they don't have $140 million of funding behind mm. it. And look at how upset everybody was because they that 18 people couldn't deliver what they promised. Mm. And so we're talking about Cloud Imperium, $140 million backed with a large team, like larger than, well, I mean, pretty much up to standard to AAA development, right? Even more, probably thousands of developers on it, or at least 1,000. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, yeah. that's where, like, even then, I don't think they're going to get the backlash that No Man's Sky got. Like, I don't think they're going to get bagged on as much. Because look at all the bad news that's been coming out, and no one's really going on them as in, like, this is a complete this is a complete false and like a scam right this is a, a i don't know i hope I, i'm telling you man that website designer better get paid like 20 percent of this because he's doing all the work like and updating people about all these changes like he's updating the asset store with no assets <laughs> dude this guy all is, i like I do want to I want to jump on something that you were saying is like this coming from a jealousy standpoint I'm coming from a protect my brother standpoint yeah, yeah, yeah. and let me explain the reason why game developers go to places like Kickstarter Indiegogo GoFundMe or, or wherever you see these like crowdsource funding opportunities fig as well obsidian has fig now and you can actually invest and own part of the game through fig so that's actually a step in the right direction that protects both sides but I digress the reason why we go to these platforms is because we need the alternative that gives us the freedom to create without having to sign a contract that's detrimental to your studio through traditional publishing methods. Now, I'm not saying traditional publishers are scams or like detrimental always, but let's be real. Everyone who works in the game industry has heard of stories of publishers at the last moment screwing somebody in the contract because they know X or because they know Y or, oh, we can leverage your studio? Well, we're going to. You know what I mean? So I un understand that like people don't like that relationship. Nobody wants to have a company that they start underneath somebody's boot, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So Kickstarter, Indiegogo, these places give us an opportunity to say, okay, you know what? We're going to try it without a publisher, so we're going to need you, the fan, to help us. We're going to make awesome stuff with you, and we're, gonna, we're just a small team. Understand that. We're behind this. We want to do this with you. We want to do it right. The fans are like, okay, we're in. We're going to give you our hard-earned money before the game is out because we trust that you're telling us the truth. To then get $2 million on Kickstarter, which is great, for Kickstarter standards, especially at 2014, to then get an extra $130 million, $138 million, excuse me, 
right? That's more fan support, people believing in you. You have pulled $138 million of opportunity out of pockets of fans who believe in game development. And you piss on it and shit on it and throw it away. And la, 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 I'm in Tahiti now. Mm-hmm. That's not just selfish in the sense that, like, you figured it out. Haha, this works for you. You've gamed the system. You have also gamed your brothers and sisters who are game developers. You are making it harder for them to use something that was set up to be a good thing for us. You are now forcing them to double down on starting a company with a boot on its neck. Mm-hmm. They have to go to the traditional models because you are shutting down the opportunities that are coming from Kickstarter, that are coming from Indiegogo, because the people have lost faith. Mm-hmm. So that's where me personally, that's where I come from on this issue. Yeah. And there's a lot of evidence backing what you're saying right there because Kickstarter in 2016, at least for this first six months, were mm-hmm. lower in terms of video games funding. Uh, than uh, 2015. I mean, that could be a number of reasons, but honestly, when I look at Kickstarter or when I think of Kickstarter now for video game funding, I think it's impossible for a regular uh, indie group to go on there and, and without like a previous crowd, kind of like the App Store at this point, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have an audience before to to, to help you uh, get funding, it's it's nearly impossible to, to make any noise on Kickstarter because right now it's being bombarded by triple i developers who are really triple a and yeah. they're looking at you know as a marketing tool to create some kind of press yeah it's and, the new pre-order yeah and, and at the same time like uh you know we talked about mightle uh, mighty number no. nine you know uh its problems and how it was like had a history of delays and excuses after being funded at like four million dollars when they were asking for Three hundred thousand or something, which is a ridiculously stupid number, because uh, to make a game like that it takes a lot more. And they had the whole team already set, and the, even the director came out and said, "Hey, we we actually got other funding. It's just that we use this as a way to um, to please our investors, as in to show confidence in our product by by having fans putting their their money into it." So, like, of course. You know, Fig is in the right direction. I mean, they're funding and it's giving a piece to, to a lot of people. But mm-hmm. Kickstarter for me and I think to a lot of developers and gamers looking out to, to, to support, is it's not the way to go anymore. Like, I, I don't know anyone. Like, uh, even, even friends of ours are going to GDC mm-hmm. the traditional route, like face-to-face yeah. to, to get funding from the angel investors or other people who are looking to to get into vr and stuff it's mm-hmm. kickstarter is not the way to go it's not the first place to go anymore which is sad because it it's only been a short while since kickstarter out we, we thought it would be uh longer than this but what what you said is completely right it's it's companies like cloud imperium and other companies who, who are taking advantage of this and not delivering on their goods you know there's a reason why not everybody spends five to ten years making games it's like first of all funding doesn't last forever and if you take away that reason it's like it, it brings out all the bad habits of a game developer which is feature creep uh and lack of motivation to to complete a game mm-hmm. so it's bad news everywhere uh i mean we talked about it a lot i don't want to dwell on it too much i think larry you you made like a final statement that was great 
and let's just end it on that even with my additional commentary <laughs> it's all good but if yeah if you want to listen back just just end it on larry's comment so the next thing <laughs> that we want to talk about is of course super mario run and pretty much nintendo um and maybe comment on the mobile market for 2016 so <clears throat> super mario run did like a huge announcement right at the apple event right mm -hmm. uh they came out and it's like hey this is coming the first... on ios yeah coming on ios even though this earliest year we had pokemon but we didn't really own too much of that mm -hmm. uh but we'll talk about that too but super mario run came out of course it looked great i mean mm -hmm. nintendo's uh game design quality was written all over it and it's their ma main mascot so this had to be a success i was like very excited about it it looked awesome um <clears throat> came out for ten dollars so you can download for free yes but then the first three stages uh after the first three stages you have to buy the rest for ten dollars no in-app uh in-app purchases yet they might have additional levels maybe but nothing like which is a missed opportunity. Like I yeah. think people would totally buy a Mario outfit and play the game, but maybe they're thinking about that and they're just testing. But for for some reason, it's uh, it's not there. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I played it. I enjoyed it. I hit that ten dollar paywall. I uninstalled it. Oh wow! <laughs> it was it was that quick for me. So the reason why I bring that up is because I remember I think three days in they released like a you know like a, a press release that says, "Hey, Super Mario Run thirty five million downloads yeah 35 million iphones with super mario run on it i'm assuming a majority of them like in the 90 percent got through the first three levels yeah right and then i don't know how many passed the pay gate and continue to buy and keep going i'm still assuming it's something absurd like nintendo in a week's time definitely got their money back on making that game so everything from here on out is like super gravy yeah i have a number uh, okay. Don't know if you want to guess it though. Uh, well, give me give me the constraints or the parameters for the number. So, what number are you talking? How much revenue they made in a certain amount of time, or just what? how much money they made from that uh, game? Wh what's the time period from launch till today, or when? Yeah, launch is today. Like how much money they got? Seventy million. Yeah, that's a pretty good guess. Uh, so sixty to seventy million. Oh, and I didn't cheat. I just guessed. <laughs> they made about sixty to seventy million this month well when did they release it this month right i think it was december so month. that that that's 2016 for nintendo 60 million on an ios game that was ten dollars so and that's without one month so in one far. month so far mm -hmm. so they made a lot uh obviously and like we're talking about the mobile market so obviously they had pokemon before which they only own like two percent of the company so they didn't make too much money but like pokemon <laughs> From Niantic Labs made six hundred to seven hundred million dollars for twenty sixteen. Mm. Ooh, I know Nintendo is mad. Yeah, they're they're super I know mad. No, they're mad. Yeah. So that's great. I mean, Niantic Labs is going to continue success with Pokemon. That's a lot of money, right? Obviously, um, but the mobile market is has gone through something that we're seeing probably where VR is going in, where, you know, the whole Kickstarter thing, like it's being um, saturated, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mobile market, if you want to make a splash, you pretty much have to be backed up by uh, an established publisher. Like you're not going to see any investors at this point. You pretty much need to be established as in you had like a hit before. Uh, 
and people are gonna go to you to, to produce another hit mm-hmm. but if you're an indie developer trying to make a game I mean it's not to say that it's impossible for you to get noticed but uh, if you're looking for funding it's it is impossible everyone's kind of eyeing yeah. VR for the next year yeah but to comment on that I mean like the people that you think would think would make the most money last year are like the regular contenders you got the clash of clans mm-hmm. you got the candy crushers you got the uh uh the machine zone guys making their game they have two games mm-hmm. i forgot which ones uh like the strike mobile strike it's like a it's like a command mobile and conquer strike. yeah mobile yeah. strike uh so those guys are still up there it's the only two that are new are, are the ones we just mentioned which is the pokemon and Super Mario Run made it made it the top ten for last year because you know they made a lot of money. Yeah. But that's it. There's not really any other games that we've heard of, like relatively, right? So we're talking about if you're indie developer on mobile, you only need two, three people. You made a profit, you, you your success, but you didn't make six hundred million dollars success. Mm-hmm. That's, that's reserved for the triple A guys, basically. Yeah. Here, here's what I saw. <laughs> I saw, if I look back at the last 10 years of indie development, specifically talking about mobile indie, right? It starts with a bunch of tinker developers, right? Like Trism, you know, iFart. Uh, you know, these like small kind of experiences, like Appy, like it was, you could imagine it was a couple dudes, might even be one person in their garage making a game or making games together, right? It was very indie-centric and it wasn't a big juggernaut industry yet the top 10 were held down by individuals or small groups of people. We then sell a shit ton of iPhones. We sell a shit ton of Android devices. There are now one point something billion people in the world who play games on their phone and have phones that are capable of playing games. Obviously, the big companies now see that this is a territory worth fighting over. You putting out a Trism today, you putting out like an iFart today, all that you can rely on is word of mouth. Because the saturation is why independent developers can't succeed right now. We don't have enough of a voice to shout louder than the other person shouting. But Nintendo has the relationship, has the money, has the resume and the clout to say, Apple, we are going to do a deal with you. We simply want to tell everyone that we're doing this at your WWDC or whenever they announce that. Because that's how you get above the noise. Mm Mm-hmm. That's when 1.x billion people are like, oh, shit, Mario's coming to iPhone. I better go get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we're seeing, you know, Larry and I agree on this, and we've been talking about this. We're seeing the same thing that's happening with VR. So VR right now is going through its tech demo phase where, you know, a lot of people are trying it out. There's, like, mm-hmm. one-off uh, game design stuff that's kind of showing the potential of it, but not really heavy hitters yet. So I believe... That 2017 will be that year where we're starting to see like real VR games using it to its potential by experienced developers backed up by interested investors. And investors, notably, are going in there trying to fund these projects. But uh, I think even faster than mobile market, or at least at the same speed, that gap will close where you would have to be a triple a backed developer to make noise in the vr market because mm-hmm. a lot of people will jump ship or investors will invest in a lot of games and uh, it's going to make it harder for indie developers to go in there and, and, and make some noise. i mean that's not impossible right i mean indie developers now are still 
having their success on Steam, and I guess Steam is still just the saving grace for everyone. Um, but it's that 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 gold rush period mm-hmm. of like here's something new, everyone's attention on it, and if you're someone small like a, a group of three or four, like if you want to get some attention just by making and working on the platform, this is it. Like 2017 past this year will be a lot tougher. Uh, Steam will be there to help. Uh, but like if you're trying to go to these events and, and make some noise, uh, it's yeah. going to be the same thing over again. I think as an indie developer today, Right, like the the gold rush for sure is dead on indie or excuse me on mobile phones, and you can't say that it's available now on VR because we're having problems with unifying the platform. So there's like a segmented marketplace, and there's not a lot of money in VR right now, but there is opportunity in VR. There's money in VR if you are trying to get investment, yeah. right? But yeah. as an indie, if you're like, hey, I just want to make games and get them sold. I think you need to be better at marketing than you are at game development. And this is coming from a game developer. My look back and taking a look at the room, surveying and see how things are going, I think you need to be a Don Draper advertising level marketing person first and then be a game developer. And I, as a game developer, I thoroughly 100% believe that. Like your marketing strategy has to be impeccable. It has to be original, it has to be creative, and it has to be efficient. You have to come up with some sort of way to capture an audience that's way different than everyone else is doing because everyone is doing the tried and true. Everyone is trying to go to Reddit and drop their game on Reddit. Everyone is trying to go to Steam. Everyone is trying to do Facebook. If you like it, you get X or share it and you get X. Every way that is commonly done is being super overdone. And the people and the attention that they could capture there is being ignored because it's noise, right? Like when I'm on Facebook, do you know how many game advertisements I see? Do you know how many I investigate? None, because I'm just, it's, it's noise now. It's like pop-up, right? The first pop-up ever was probably effective. Pop-ups today, like, it's annoyance. It's noise. Yeah. So if everyone in the room is at eye level and they're all shouting, look at my game, look at my game, look at my game, look at my game, look at my game. And there are people in the room who would buy your game. You have to be the guy that recognizes that or the girl who says, you know what I'm going to do? I want to climb to the roof, put a bungee cord on my feet, jump down with my sign that says, look at my game. And everyone is now looking up and no one is saying anything because they've never seen an advertisement like what you just did. Your game just sold a million copies. Now, don't go bungee jump off some stadium in the middle of the Super Bowl and say, I heard it on Game Dev Unchained podcast, but think that way. <laughs> like, find some sort of crazy opportunity or crazy way that someone hasn't thought of before to try to promote your game and be a marketing genius or find one. Because I promise you, I thoroughly believe now that if you are an excellent marketer and an okay game developer, you will probably be more successful than a great game developer and a shitty marketer. Anyway. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, everybody. Uh, this is the time when Larry comes in and says some stuff. But that's pretty much our review of 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, boiled down to the last month. However, that kind of just culminates everything that we've been seeing uh with the studios and Mm -hmm. with mobile market 
and then the VR rise. I mean, it's happening. VR is here to stay. If you're still out there, like, still thinking that it's not going to do anything, mm-hmm. like, you're living in a bubble, man. They have conventions for VRs now. <laughs> like, every major player is stepping in. Like, every game uh, console and, and everyone else that has a say is making their own headset. Like, we're talking about... Oculus has a headset, PlayStation has a headset, Microsoft has a headset, uh, HTC Vive, Steam has a headset, uh, Razer has a headset. I mean, there's a bunch of other companies, and you're all right, Larry. Like, a lot of these are segmented, but, you know, they're getting noticed. Like, mm-hmm. It's in their hands. Like, even those different head mount displays from different companies, sure, but people know about VR. Yeah. They're, they're interested. Yes. In 2017, I've, yeah, would be the investor year, but 2018 or even to 2019, everyone yeah. would be at least exposed to it more. If I could compare just this period in time to any point in time in game development history, I would say for VR specifically, this is like when the iPhone first came out. Yeah. Right? People were abandoning the like little green and black screen to do touchscreen, right? Everyone is copying. There's a ton of devices that are different, but not a lot of people behind all those devices. I think 10 years from now, there's going to be a lot of people who use virtual reality devices and augmented reality, and who knows where it's going to go between now and then. But right now, I don't see myself as somebody saying, I'm going to release a game on a VR device, and I'm going to be rich because that many people will buy the game. I don't see that today. I just don't. It might be something where they're kind of doing it right now. I mean, uh, I anticipate Google's already planning it. They're trying to make the Android SDK version, right? The Daydream. Mm-hmm. So that everyone uses that as the, the base. And then I'm sure iOS, Apple will do something. Well, or someone else will do something the same for the consoles and iOS to make it even easier. So people just use one of those baselines to build whatever the game they're making and, and it'll work. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone at the table, they probably have secret VR meetings with these huge companies where everyone can benefit from growing this market, obviously, where you're like, all right, let's just settle on, you know, two two different SDKs or three at the most. And uh, I can see that happen in the next few years where people are just going to decide which SDK and then it's going to be more common. So you can use your own head mounted display. Like it would be like you using your Samsung. I'm using my LG phone, but we're still mm-hmm. using Android and we can still download the same apps. So I can see that being the way that uh, it's being set up. So you can still own your different devices. just that, you know, the development for it will be the same software will be the same. So it won't be too crazy, but, uh, yeah. Oh, well, uh, I will say this. Overall, it's probably been a really bad 2016. In the game industry, we've had our ups and downs. So I'm going to put on my Swami hat. And for the last, like, just maybe one minute of this podcast on my behalf, I'm going to make a couple of predictions. This is Larry only. I'm speaking for myself, not for Game Dev Unchained and not for Brandon. Brandon has his own ideas. This is what I think. And I hate to say it, but this is what I think. I don't think the Nintendo Switch is going to be successful. Hmm. I think... They're too far away from the pack, where the pack being Microsoft, Sony, and people are invested in the idea of them being the two systems, right? And developers as well. Like, we're making for Microsoft, Sony. We're not worried about Nintendo Switch. I think Nintendo Switch is going to be another first-party machine only, where you're only going to see their games do well. 
You're not going to get the third-party support. I don't think it's going to be very successful. Uh, but what I will say is, I think Nintendo is going to acknowledge that and completely adopt mobile as their strategy. I think Nintendo is going to... Nintendo has the opportunity to destroy in mobile from here until I don't know who knows when, right? Nintendo could be the biggest mobile game development company that I can think of with their IPs and bring it to mobile. Next, I think VR is going to take a big hit, actually. I think some of the dust is going to settle and some of this investment money, their people are going to be like, oh, shit, like, how are we going to recoup this? We were only in this for like a two-year return, three-year. We gave you hundreds of millions and we wanted to see something. And we're being told, hey, hey, it's not profitable right now. There's a lot of players. There's this, there's that. I think VR investment money is going to have a shakeup in 2017. And it's not going to flow like it currently is because I don't think enough people have seen that yet. Mm -hmm. But I think that's still a very important part of VR development in a 10-year plan. I think the wheat is going to separate from the chaff. We're going to see what the major VR spaces are, what the major platforms are, and those are going to do incredibly well as we carry on. Last, I think you're always going to see great independent video games regardless of where they can be profitable because I believe that game developers as a whole, a lot of us could care less about the money. We have to make something and put our stamp on something and put it out because that's what drives us. So regardless of mobile being a no man's land of opportunity, regardless of VR coming but not being profitable, I still believe that there's enough tinkerers out there who are just passionate enough and not necessarily dumb, but like money isn't their first thing. The passion alone and the need to express their creative ideas is going to make sure that we always have awesome mobile, indie, PC, whatever games. Those are my predictions for 2017. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you with most of them. My predictions will be uh, a little quicker. Uh, <laughs> well, just to say because you already it's said you already said a lot of things that I was gonna say. Like, I do agree the Switch won't be as successful as the Wii, but more successful than the Wii U, probably. Oh yeah. I, okay, uh, okay. I don't. I don't know how much of that will be in the middle or in the upper upper chain of things but probably in the middle or lower in the middle. It won't be as big of a success that they would think. But I don't know the full feature of the game. Even they have gyroscope, I guess, uh, and then all the touch control and all this rumor stuff that they, they haven't announced yet. Um, they will fall back on first person. Uh, I think the whole mobile push is, uh, well, partly because of the pressures of from investors, and at the same time, they're kind of like, creating a nest in case the switch doesn't succeed because i think mm -hmm. they made up their mind like this is the last console if it doesn't work it doesn't work we're going to mm -hmm. mobile mm -hmm. especially seeing all the success they've been getting from ten dollar games right mm -hmm. uh so i agree with that vr same thing uh 2017 is the year in the investors uh it will be a while before i see any huge profits from developers or for investors as well mostly because this is what I think. 2017, we will see the first VR system seller software. Okay. We'll see a game that everybody will at least turn their heads and say, I want to play that. What do I need to buy? Uh, not to the extent of, of course, it's still an 800 device. Hopefully, it go down to 600 at most, I guess. It won't be halved in 2017, but the price will go down. 
consumers will see a system seller in 2017. I think there's been enough time for the AAA developers to get behind something and, and create it to its potential. Uh, and that will start the turn of things uh, for 2018 and 2019, where people will see like you can make a successful, profitable game that mm. everybody will buy the system for. It might happen first on the PlayStation VR, I think. Mm -hmm. Out of that's all the, the safest system. place for it to happen, to be that's, honest. Yeah, as a developer, I would aim for that to make sure because uh, I think as of now they they have the most. Uh, VR sets in households right now. Yeah. So that's happening. Um, mobile is the same. I think the Titans are still going to be the Titans. Uh, Clash of Titans. <laughs> well, Clash of Clans. <laughs> Clash of Titans. <laughs> yeah, Clash of Clans will still make money. Candy Crush will still make money. Uh, I think we'll see some, maybe one more or two more titles from Nintendo that will make another splash. I think we're going to see a lot more Nintendo in the top 10 mm -hmm. from this point forward, for sure. Um, and then I think that's it. Triple A will still struggle. Uh, I don't think... That's the thing about everything that's been developing. Triple A has been sort of the same, uh, if not getting worse. Yeah. Because they're not it's making, not growing. It's not growing at all. It's like serving the same amount of people, mm -hmm. and uh, even with that crowd, people are getting older and they're not playing games as much. Mm -hmm. So they're not really doing anything to make that bigger. Uh, so I think they're going to be again continuing their decline. People are going to still yeah. love their games, but uh, it's the same crowd that they're selling to. Which is yeah. unfortunate. It's a, it's really weird where uh, I think the people that are still in it are, are the only ones that are still making money off it. But even the, the, the sure things this last year, the Call of Duties especially, have been declining like yeah. crazy. I mean, Battlefield 1 took a lot of that. I mean, their audience, I mean, they sold the most that they've ever had last year, I think. Uh, Titanfall, unfortunately, was in the middle of that, so... Uh, they just had a bad launch window, mm. but like all the regulars, like the sequels aren't doing as well as they used to basically. Mm. Like even Assassin's Creed, I guess two years ago took a break because their sales were declining. There's just too many choices now, too much excitement around VR, mm. too much convenience with mobile. And so the time to sit in front of your couch to play like a triple A game for 15 hours is gone for mm. most people uh youtube is coming in strong oh yeah uh but even youtube was a decline in viewership like i was watching pewdiepie about how he's complaining about how his videos aren't getting as much views mostly because of how youtube is changing the way their home pages i mean that's a whole nother thing yeah uh but i mean that's one of the wishes for next year if we're talking about resolution i want to bring on a youtube reviewer <laughs> to talk about that side of the business because i have no understanding of how that works mm -hmm. uh how the game is it, is it twitch mostly now uh do people like watching it live versus pre-recorded like there's so many questions i want to ask so more on that later but that's yeah. pretty much my projection of how i see everything development's going to be the same uh for triple a i think um, but yeah, 
that's 2016 for me. All right. Well, since we have no guests and we've used more than our hours worth of time, uh, I am going to be the first to say Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to our podcast, riding with us for all this time. We appreciate every single click, listen, and especially the shares. If you ever share our podcast, thank you so much. I just want to say that personally. And I'm Larry Charles. Have a wonderful new year. Good night. Yeah, thank you again from the bottom of our hearts. It's been a great year. Again, sharing is caring. If you really care about this product that we're putting out <laughs> here, uh, it does help to go on iTunes uh, and, and give us a rating. It actually... Uh, helps us climb the the listeners podcast chart so if not who cares just keep doing what you're doing but we would love it right <laughs> if you did what we just asked so again this is brandon fam thanks for joining us this week see you next week if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch you can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained